Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of OTT, where I speak about everything related to fashion, pop culture, and, well, really, whatever I want. <laughs> Today is going to be a key because I am joined by my girlfriends. I'm not going to do more of the song because I don't want to get sued. Um, I know this is OTT, but there is no top in sight today, okay? Keishian Myers, a verse, a tile fashion journalist with bylines in British Vogue, Grazia, and Luncheon, is the founder of the magazine Dick Print. Dick Print was a cultural reset in its exploration of the Black gay male body dressing for pleasure and fetish wear. And my babe, my baby, Joseph Bates, image maker, stylist, and 3C queen has been turning heads with his stunning self-portraits that have been featured and promoted by Christopher Kane. His final major project at Central St. Martin's entitled Loco was an allegory for the idea of performing to the white gaze. And today we are not focused on the white gaze. Today we'll be talking about their loves of clowns, Cochrans, and we will debate who is the biggest coon of our time. Thank you guys Hi. so much. Thank you guys so much for doing this today. I'm so excited. This is like sister, sister, plus her bootleg sister. I am not a vest. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> it, was, it was just for the intro. It was just for, listen, she got the, listen, listen, she got the, listen, the intro, the intro was sent to you before. So if you, if you had any queries, you could have done that <laughs> offline, friends. Now, First of all, how are we all doing today? How is everyone's weekend been? What's the tea? What's the vibes? It's been very good one. It's been a long Saturday. I want to hear yours. Let's hear yours, Joe. <laughs> you know, it's it's been cute. It's been cute. I've been getting some stuff together. I just moved house, so we love to see. I'm planning, it. On, I'm planning on tearing the place apart and then building it up again. We love that. Um, and also, maybe it's Sunday. You need to read the room, read the calendar. It's been a long day. <laughs> it's been a long day. But you know what? We move. We move. Yeah, and yeah. speaking of dick prints, I'm behind because oh. I've been quite busy this weekend. Did anyone see Chris Evans' dick? What was the tea with this? Yeah, I absolutely did. I'm also kind of like, was it his dick or did he just expose himself as like closeted and was just like looking at someone? Because it, it was basically a screenshot, a screenshot video that he took of a video, something else, and then it's stopped. Like, first picture on the camera road is like some white man's penis. So but how was, just like, how was it? Was it good? Was it, but wow, was he Captain America but what incoming? I that, uh, angles, but I mean, straight men just don't know anything about any kind of angles. Mm. Angle was awful. Couldn't really get any kind of racial girth or length. You just see like a little, you know. You see a snippet. You see a trailer. Much. It's not good enough. A snippet. Okay. And from that preview, I'm like... <laughs> I, I did not see it. I did not see it, but I did see that on that saved camera roll, he had that picture of Robert Pattinson looking like a <laughs> suburban Ute from the from you know the the south of England or the north of England. And I was like, I respect that he thinks that's funny because we all should. <laughs> Quick question for you. First of all, I'm the only African American, so I need to know the lingo. What is a Ute? Just like is you it know, just white. Just a young young person. Okay, so like. Okay, cute, cute. It's like a teenager. Youth is, youth is just youth. It literally means youth. Perfect. It's just possible. Perfect, perfect. This is going to be fun. Now, my love, Keishan, it has now been a year since you have graduated. Word on the street is with a first, but you know, mm. the streets be right every now and then. Mm. It's been a year since you've graduated. Dick Print has come out. You have continued to hustle, work, vibe, grind. Grazia, British Vogue. How has it been a year post-graduation, my love? A year post-graduation has gone by of an eye. It's like so much has happened, even in uh, freelance. So I had a really, I, I had very kind of good timing, but bad timing. Essentially, my contract with Grazia is coming to an end and we come to, well, I come to the decision to um, stop, like to not really the contract and just kind of, well, find another job and the week that my contract ended of course was the same week we went into lockdown but obviously you time these things for a long time before and you know it just was bad timing a lot of job opportunities fell through of course because i'm sure a lot of you can relate to that there was a lot of things planned that just fucked up and what, what it kind of forced you to do was go freelance and just kind of really it was like graduating all over again actually these last few months and trying to just 
figure myself out. Okay, I'm like, I'm now my employer. I'm now in my employee. I'm now having to just do everything. And it kind of put, just kicks, you know, put a boot up my ass. It's been intense, but it's been great in summary, <laughs> in essence. Yeah. Aww, but you know what? She's getting it done. She's working. She's hustling. What would you say is the thing about mm. freelance life that like shocked you the most? I'm a noob. So I feel like anyone listening to this who was freelance, like skip. Um, but I feel like the most, I think it's just, well, the taxes that goes about saying stuff like that and making sure to, you know, uh, keep receipts, keep everything. Like sometimes I do things and I'm just like, I don't know if I need this, but I'm going to keep it. Take the photos, you know, because you don't want the tax man to come to you, ask you all kinds of shit. And you're just like, uh, I don't, you know, I, I study fashion journalism because I try to evade mathematics, you know, no numbers. But besides the, that kind of thing, I think it's just keeping on top of your work, keeping on top of your schedule and being so self-reliant. I'm always self-reliant, but it's a new level of it because at work, obviously, you have a boss, you have given deadlines. And as a freelancer, you have so much leeway if you're, you know, not strict with yourself. I can say, oh, no, I'll do this tomorrow because, like, who else is going to fucking check me? No one's going to check me because I check myself. But you have to check yourself sometimes. Um, so that's kind of the, one of the hard things that I've been learning and trying to navigate. And um, I think just knowing that when you're not doing things, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Especially graduating from a place like St. Martin's, you're so used to being on the fucking go, but it's not stop. It's this project, it's that project, then it's this, and then you're, you know? But you have to give yourself that downtime and be okay with that. And when there is that week or two weeks, or even a month, sometimes it gets rough, especially in Corona, where you're not doing as much as you want to, you're not doing anything, make use of that time. So basically, don't you want to take time out for yourself and uh, you want to read your books, you want to kind of do some research if you can. You don't necessarily have to be working, like writing 24-7, because obviously I'm a journalist. You can be working with just research, getting different reference points, spending time watching films, you know? Yeah. what? So just to piggyback off that, what films have you been watching as she's been rejuvenating? So I've been really, really enjoying watching films. I, I've been getting all the films that people said, you know, when you say you haven't seen that, and they're like, oh, shock horror. So things like, for example, Scarface, I've not seen. I'm going to watch that tonight. That's my tonight film. Okay, like, don't look at me like that. Stop. I just watched Fight Club. Yeah, you know, I've never seen Fight Club before. What else did I watch recently? All the John Wick films. Very random. I had an obsession with John Wick, chapter one, two, and three. I watched all of those. Um, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, and then Doctor Sleep, the new one. I've not seen Stanley Kubrick's Shining. Um, I tried to watch A Clockwork Orange. I can't get into it. I think it's just the time, you know, this kind of period. It's like, I don't want to see people being that fucking malevolent because it's like happening in real life. Like we have this kind of chaos in the fucking news. Like I found it quite uncomfortable to watch. So, and the rape scene and the way, were, I was just, oh, this is it's too much for me. But yeah, I've been watching all those kind of films, you know? Cute, cute. We love to see it. Now we're gonna, you know, go back, not to the future, but to the past. <laughs> Miss Thing, Dick Prince, Dick, Dick Prince. Prince, the Prince of the Dick, the Prince, of the, the dick Prince the dick, the of all of the dicks. Now, before that came out, I personally, mm-hmm. we're all black in this conversation. It's fine. I personally had never seen the conversation from black the black gay experience when it came to like SM, when it came to fetish. Because I think sometimes, you know, it's something that like we don't really speak about in our community one. Mm. Two, oh, oftentimes we are fetish and we yeah, don't have the opportunity to to reclaim our narrative, reclaim our story, enjoy things of that nature. And three, also like again, like history, like whips chains, like girl we can do that, but you just you, but you but you but you gotta pass the brown paper bag test. So right. when you did Dick Print, you right. spoke to some incredible icons in the gay community. Yeah. Bruce LaBruce, Hal Fisher, Roy Inc. You know, the shoots with, you know, Ib Kamara, Kyle yeah. Wags, like Ola. Can we talk everyone. about first, girl, everyone, you got all the girls. Can you talk one about why it was so important for you to do this? And, you know, mm. how did it all kind of come together? Well, I was just, I guess I was having an obsession of sex, as you do. Actually, no, that's a lie. Well, it wasn't, isn't a lie. It's kind of like a half story. But I got the whole idea of fetish from reading Man Ray's autobiography. And in a passage, when he first travels to Paris, um, 
from New York, he basically brings his like really random shit that he was making at the time. Obviously, he's not. He's just making random kind of object de art. Excuse my French. <laughs> and he did, it was obviously quite a, a weird thing to have in that time. So he didn't want to look like a crazy man walking around with these trinkets and random shit. And so he, he described it as his fetishes. And that's how we got through customs with these random objects. And that's how I kind of got into the idea and the origins of fetish. That's the base of that. Like the origin of fetish and it being something that you have the power to. And then the, obviously the contemporary kind of notion of fetish. For me, discovering fetish is like, you know, a lot of it is power. Sex, a lot of it's power. And that was the whole uh, idea. And then also thinking about sex and people putting on clothes to turn each other on, when really like in the kind of normal, quote unquote, I do things you take your clothes off to fuck. That's what you do. You know, you don't put them on. That's kind of backwards. So that kind of intrigued me. And so that's the whole basis of dick print and how that kind of built up to what it is. But I really wanted to go and find people, black, gay men, queer, or gay men, that basically had those experiences that I'd never heard of. I never heard of any other black gay men that were speaking about, you know, getting dressed up and going to the club in leather or in their latex rubber in whatever, being pissed on and enjoying it, or hosting sex parties in Brixton in the 90s. Ajamu hosted sex parties for black and brown men in the 90s in Brixton. Like, that's radical as fuck. It was insane to hear that. Like So that's how it all kind of spiraled out of control and became the monster that is Dick Print. The one that got press, 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 kept all these niggas vexed. Yeah. Um, oh, and Hal Fisher as well. Yeah. Hal Fisher, oh my gosh, that was one of the most incredible conversations I've ever had. He... Obviously, gay semiotics is fucking, like, incredible, major. Like, Can you explain gay semiotics to the girls? So, gay semiotics was a series of photos that Hal Fisher uh, shot back in the 70s in San Francisco. And it's basically, he basically coded what was going on, in the, the semiotics of gay kind of cruising culture. I mean, they'd wear, you know, left ring and right earring and it would have different kind of meanings or if you put a red bandana in your left pocket it meant something completely different to putting a blue bandana in your right pocket or you know it was a, it's basically a coded language uh, a coded visual language uh, that I found really really interesting because that now is completely gone but I thought well it's not gone it's evolutionized I think you you get it more online so you get you get a kind of flattened version of that it's all online it's all virtual so Rather than an earring on your left ear, I'll put, you know, a downward arrow on my bio. <laughs> and, you know, you know, I'm a bottom. Or I'll put, I don't know, a fist or a diamond. And, you know, I'm a fucking initial pain. You know, that's, you get all these kind of things. And it's still happening, but it's just a different kind of, and it was all very interesting to speak to how fish have been through the 70s, lived and grown throughout San Francisco, San Francisco through the AIDS epidemic. Um, he's like, it's a queer god. He's seen it all, literally. And to speak to him about, about the kind of transition and how it's, what life is like now in 2019 at the time it was, from like the 70s, that man, like his scope of things must be like, it's just insane speaking about that. So yeah. It really is a beautiful project. And I'm quite curious, what's kind of the biggest surprise that you found like when you were doing your research with this throughout mm. all of the incredible interviews and conversations? I couldn't believe that there was a, Jamaican man, a gay man, openly gay, in the middle of Brixton, hosting sex parties in his house. I was just like, in the, like this is insane to me, in the 90s. Like, I don't think, like, in, and this is, a very, this is the reality of the situation, to me. Uh, black gay men, like, they just don't exist, other people that are my age. I'm like, I don't see other black gay men. So it's like, to hear that, obviously I know they exist, but like, I don't see them. And that representation, that's the whole thing about representation. Like when you don't see things, it's like they don't exist. They kind of cease to exist because you don't know. And I didn't know these things. So to hear about it and know it's a reality and it's been a reality long before me, of course. Well, I know it, but to actually, for it to be reaffirmed that, no, we've been here. We've been doing it. We've been sucking fucking too. You ain't new, <laughs> you know, and that kind of thing. But that is, uh, it's just, it's, it's comforting. <laughs> maybe I'm a whore, maybe. It's comforting to know that people are sucking the fucking just like me, that looked like me, that spoke like me, that grew up in the same kind of environments. Um, it's, you know, I found it quite interesting to hear their experiences. Absolutely. And I'm quite curious for both of you, you know, we definitely all, you know, different experiences, but we also share a, a similar hue 
and a similar mm-hmm. a similar place on the alphabet. Mm-hmm. I'm quite curious, you just brought up representation. Mm-hmm. I feel like when it comes to Black gays, Black queers, I feel like whenever we are represented, it's always a very sanitized version of us, or oh. like we're always put in a specific gaze. Mm-hmm. We're always, there's whenever you see that, you know, a Black gay thriving, I always see a sadly around white gays. You know, mm. I'm quite curious for you guys, because, you know, listen, we are making change. Us being ourselves is visibility, it is representation, it is growth, and it's very important. But in 2020, what do you kind of feel about Black queer representation? How do you feel like the current state of it is? How do you feel like we are being represented? How, what do you think needs to change? What do you think is, you know, the state of the union, I guess, for, you know? I think that there is a very kind of generic black surface level understanding of black in particular i'm gonna speak for black men because i'm a black man i can't speak nobody else uh for black gay men queer men i think there's this kind of the height of it is like the oh my gosh what's his name Trey, um billy porter you get T- that you know todrick hall todrick hall you get billy porter's you know, which is fab and i think i think there is a lot of nuance to black gay men that i don't see that is afforded to other gay and queer people. Uh, you can see, you can just see it. That's why I think Moonlight was so great. It was a, a very, it's, it's a very real story. And that is, you know, uh, I feel like it's just as important as like the, the more, the more prominent story, which is like the uh, overtly feminine story. And I think there's, there's, there's nuances. I, I don't think there's any kind of different, any kind of like which one is more needs to be out there because I feel like they all need to be out there. But I feel like they definitely push uh, the kind of eccentric, and it's like, and I love it. But also, there's more to me than that. I don't want to be defined by just that kind of persona that is kind of put into the the main, just the main stage. Like I, I would hate to be defined by anything. Actually, really, I want to be able to do whatever I want, which I feel like a lot of gay and queer men can do. They can, they're able to afford us do whatever they kind of want. Whereas I feel like, as a black gay man, sometimes you have to fit into some kind of box to fit into society. Essentially, um, yeah. What about you, my JoJo? Uh, I kind of, I agree with Casey, and I feel like. Um, there's like there's not a lot of nuance like I feel like in a lot of media surrounding black gay men it's a lot of like it's either like this huge tragedy or something and there's someone who's like deeply closeted and miserable or there's like somebody who has or it's like this flamboyant character who's kind of got no feelings or like inner life or emotions and it's just a joke so Mm. I kind of like I don't want to because I feel like there's a lot of people who don't know that many black people or that many black gay people. So when they see this kind of thing, it like puts an idea of who I am in their heads and it's just nothing like that. Completely agree. I feel you guys. And especially that's why we need the pariahs. Like that's why we need the nuanced story because also like, as we said, and also I feel like class is another thing. Like people, you know what I mean? People don't see themselves enough, especially black queer people, black LGBT people. You know what I mean? They come through all different walks of life. And I don't think we're getting enough of that. And I don't even I don't even have the energy today to get and listen, we love pose. I love pose. I don't have the energy to get into the colorism on pose. Sure. And when and when you get into the la- mm. and when you get into the layers, the first of all, we're black and black pain has all has historically always been exploited, right? Whether it's the slave mm. story, the maid story, the segregation story, the struggle story, the white savior story. That's already mm. in one. And then once you add, you know the gays, the queers, but being black, oh my God, you must just want to just die all the time. You know what I mean? And like, we just, we do need more stories of just nuance. Okay. Like, I'm just here. I'm oh, just, just existing. I'm, I'm just existing. Yeah. You know what, I mean? what I love? What? I really, really love Issa Rae's brother. I think it's just fab. I'm like, he just comes in, does a little thing. You no, know, he's just living. It's just, he's just existing. I love that kind of character. Can I think that kind of, uh, uh, and also, um, I was going to say P-Valley, but I mean, I love it. I do love it. I, I love, um, I think there's a lot more out there. I'm seeing a lot more representation and I'm really, really like grateful for it. P-Valley and Uncle Clifford, you know, and these kind of 
these stories that I know are real, I know exist, and I know are out there. I see them like I, I, I'm friends with these people, um, and it's just nice to see them on screen. I think it's it's, it's happening. It's happening. It's slow, but I feel, yeah, I agree. It's happening. It's it's so slow, and I feel like it just needs to get to mm. a point where we're telling those stories as opposed to waiting for someone else to do it. But those doors are opening even right. slower than the representation. The representation is happening. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And my friends, thank you, my sister. Now, Miss okay. Miss Joseph, Miss 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 Loco, the Loco, the second generation Loco. Miss Kation has Mr. Mr. Myers, Mr. Myers, Mr. Myers, okay. Graduated a year ago, but you just graduated in the plague, okay? And <laughs> you were still <laughs> and you were still able to girl, please, my mental plagued okay clock and it's a plague you know what i mean miss thing needs a lobotomy at this point back to my point you graduated in the plague and you still managed to turn it out and you did this incredible series of self-portraits that you did from the house that were giving studio that were giving budget and costumes made by your two little fans and i would just like to talk about loco and what it is and what it represented and how did it all come to be because we love we all love to see it and we're loving to see it um i think it came from like a kind of an ex excavation of like my own personal history and my own relationship with my race and kind of a history of my family um so my mother is mixed race her father is from ghana and there's just like i've always grown up around like so many white people there wasn't any relationships with any black family members really so it was kind of this idea of like figuring out who, like where I fit in this world, especially, you know, all of my peers were white, family, everything. Like the town I grew up in, it was all that. So it was kind of like a gradual reckoning with kind of who I was. And I kind of wanted to explore that through this really outlandish character who performs whiteness in like a very literal sense with like white face makeup and like in a very performative way referencing like minstrel shows and um yeah and it just and then like in this character's death the way people would mourn a figure like a fictional figure in pop culture and how that performance of whiteness is like greatly appreciated by so many and i just have a question for you both of you are black gay grew up in you know, England. Miss Joe, when you said, you did an interview with Love, and I found this so interesting. You said, I knew I was gay before I knew I was Black. And kind of that, that kind of realizing that identity. How was it for you growing up? And, you know, I, I, can, only, I can speak for myself. I went to school with white people. Trigger, I'm triggered. <laughs> and I'm not okay. Triggered. When I got to university, I was very like Solange, like seeing it in white people's faces. Black things, black things, black owned things. And I think I had, you know, I really went went back and was like, fuck all y'all. Like, I just made it, like, everything was black. It was like, I want black paper to write on. I want a black pen. I want a black ink. I want to do something on a black person. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to speak to anyone that's not black. For you, your adolescence, going through that, you know, I don't want to, listen, I'm not going to put words, I'm not going to say identity crisis, but when you didn't kind of have the full you know, grasp of your full self and your true self. What was that like growing up? And then how, as you got older, did that kind of develop and change? So, I mean, going back to what you said at the start about knowing I was gay before I was black, I felt like I was almost being like socialized as if I was white. And then it became like this thing where in school I was, uh, I said that my grandfather died in the war because that's what all my friends were saying. And then I told my mom about it afterwards and she was like, no, that didn't happen. He was literally African. And, you know, like, it didn't register then, but then I think back at it now and I'm, like, gagging because I had no kind of semblance of an idea that I was, like, anything different to my peers. And then, you know, and, like, with all the gay stuff, it's, like, you're kind of still socialised. Like, I was, like, you know, my white peers and, you know, teachers and other kids at school and stuff, they kind of knew who I was. Like, I'm very, like, a flamboyant person. It was a very much a glass closet situation. So it was kind of like, I was very aware of like my own femininity before I was aware of like the fact that I looked completely different to everyone I knew apart from like my family. 
And then like, you know, and then going on from that, just, I mean, in a way, like looking back, it does feel like an identity crisis, but it has just been this very gradual process of like meeting and talking to people from, from similar experiences to, as me. And like even talking to like family members and stuff about it who are like, who have been through similar-ish situations like my brother and sister and just kind of figuring out like where how I fit into this like landscape of blackness that is so broad and that I had no like idea of what it was to be to be black outside of watching like any kind of black media like movies or tv shows or music videos girl I feel you with that especially because it's so interesting because now we're in such a unique position where our voices are so appreciated. Our stories are appreciated. We've always been the backbone of culture, of everything. But now people are much more vocal to be like, Miss Pink was a white lady doing Black music, right? Like, now we want the true, you know what I mean? The true Nikor, you know? Like, the true, <laughs> authentic nigger experience, right? Now, I said what I said, fuck y'all. You know, now we're finally being seen and valued. But, like, growing up, like, especially in the, because we're, we're about the same age, especially in the art. It was mm-hmm. just white, just white, 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 white culture was the culture. You know, obviously we had our own, obviously we knew it was up, but it was always being fed down us. You know what I mean? Fed. I'm only speaking for myself. I was always like, am I in the twilight zone? Am I crazy? I know. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know you don't think this is good. I know you don't you think. You get I, like gaslit. I know you don't think Ayaz is good. What is Crack? Crack? opioids do you know what i mean it was very much like always and then also we're first of all i can, i'm just speaking for myself first of all i'm black i'm just trying to mind my business i'm just nodding along and then once you don't have to nod along anymore it's like you know what y'all have always had trash pits y'all have always had <laughs> trash opinions and you know what now i'm gonna shout it from the rooftop because you know what some of you don't deserve rights rights revoked kamala lock them mm-hmm. up incoming now we're gonna have some fun now. So to me, you know, listen, I like to get the heavy stuff out early. Now let's get to the mess that I know you guys have all been waiting for. For waiting for waiting for the tea. The mess. Now, Miss Kasia, and I'm gonna start with you, girl. Get to you, my girl. Are you ready for are you ready for what we're gonna do today? No, I was born ready. You know, I'm out here ready for you. So you so you obviously are the founder of our favorite publication, Dick Print. So I have a game mm-hmm. and it's called Gag or Go. Does it make you gag or do they need to go? Uh, okay. So <laughs> I'm going to give you some topics and, you know, does it make you gag or do they need to go? Are you ready? I'm so excited. Let's go, Shay. So first <laughs> up, the biggest kind of fashion media story recently, Mr. Kim Jones, the new head of Fendi Woman's Wear. Are you gagging or does he need to go? He needs to go. I don't appreciate. I think, I'm, well, what I will say is that I, I'm excited to see what he would do at Fendi. I just think that what Elvin H done is quite, read the room, as you say. I think graduates are coming out into an economy like that is just, it's front. There's no jobs for anybody. And you had it like not to say you should give it to like to students. Fendi obviously is not going to go to a fucking graduate, but it's like what kind of message is they're sending? If you've repeat like you've just gone through Corona, this is time to be you know changing things, and you've kind of repeated the same. We're going to give this white man two positions at our house, you know, just like Carl Lagerfeld had it for however many decades. It's like we're going to go just do that again, and it's like well, there's so many other talents, and also Fendi is a, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a house that is like historically female. This is your time to do what you did at Dior and introduce a female. Um, it was the sisters, um, and they can do it. It's like he was going to Jones, and it was a bit like I don't know how that, how I don't know. I just think it's a bit, it's a bit off key. It's a bit off key. But I, I mean, I, I always, I'm not a hater. I'm just a uh, observant, and I just don't think that was very smart move. I think it was the mm-hmm. most, of, like, the best move. Absolutely. And was Claire busy? But also, I think, you know, you know again, we talk about, what? Not too. <laughs> but also, I will say this, and I've said, I'm very excited to see what Kim does, but I will say, it's also this kind of idea of, I'm going to bring this to Elix quickly. Back to the Givenchy situation, I'm very excited to see what Matthew Williamson does. However, 
it's kind of this idea of Matthew is shortlisted for the LVMH Grace Wells Bonner one, right? So that kind of idea of black people consistently just being overlooked, even when they, you know, won, right? It's not as if, it's not as if visibility was not a thing. We're black, we're always visible, right. we always stand out. But Martine, Martine, Rose, girl, there's shout out to Martine Rose. Martine Rose, that girl, the doll, the doll, the doll, the actual doll. I don't know a better woman. I don't know a better woman. I don't know a better Martine Rose, if you'd like to come on the podcast, I am obsessed with you. You really are giving it to the girls. This is my plug for Martine because Martine to me is like, cool, chef's kiss. Anyway, back to, back to Gaga Go. We've said what needed to be said. I know she's a raw, raw bitch. So I need to ask you your, you know, gag or go about Miss Chromatica. Are we pulling up or are we pulling out? Sis, I am on planet Chromatica. What I'm going to say is this. That album is euphoric. That is like, that, that is that, that Chromatica colon cleanse. That, that is just, when I felt like I woke up at like the day, I woke up at 6 a.m. for that album. Now me, I love, I love Nissan Gaga. I was not happy with Joanne. I don't think anybody was. Fine, we're gonna move past that. People weren't, people weren't happy with Arpa Piper. They're tasteless. That's just on them. Chromatica is a masterpiece. But what I will say is that it's not confessions on the dance floor. What Dua Lipa tried to do was give us that little disco bop moment and it, it fell flat. You know, it's very, it's Spencer it's that's been out on the window ledge for a day. It's Chromatica? Track after track, Elton John can go. Track after track after track after track. A thousand dubs. Chromatica one into Alice. My name isn't Alice, is euphoric. You know, stupid love. Rain on me. Ariana. You know, sour candy. She brought us to the K-pops. I was just like, I love Chromatica. I could go on. I'm I'm with I'm with Chromatica. I'm on Chromatica. I I live for that album. I was playing it on the way here actually. I think it's fantastic. Is that what Gareth, you're doing? Gareth, <laughs> Gareth, ooh, 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 <laughs> she exposed me. <laughs> you know, I was on time. What had happened was... <laughs> no, but Gareth said this thing to me, which is just like, you know, fucking awesome. He was like, isn't it a little bit like outdated already though? And I was like, you know, there's some songs I'm like, oh, but that actual whole sound is quite like nostalgic. It just gives me like... Um, it's very early noughts, like very uh, the Kylie's, the Madonna's confessional dance floor era. It's giving me like Mojo. It's giving me like um, Groove Armada. It's giving me like it used to be Baseline Jacks. It's giving me all of that, like that early noughties. And like Joe would get, you grew up in England, that naughty sound you used to be my Baseline Jacks. It's all of that. It's just that. It, I, I love it. So I love it because it's very nostalgic to me. It makes me think of like my time in primary school and like. I'm not giving a fuck about anything besides like my PSP, you know? Absolutely. And I have a quick question for you both, actually. You know, this is not mm-hmm. a critique of Miss Gaga or a critique of Dua Lupa, but I'm very curious to know for you guys, right? We're in the, I would say like the disco revival and I'm seeing it a lot with white folk. And I'm a firm believer, like if you know how to do it well, you can do it well. But what is kind of your take on that? Because it's very evident that, you know, let's be real. Disco, when it died, it was due to, right? People were just racist. Like, you know what I mean? So I'm just quite curious to see your takes on the 2020 revival of it. I'm going to pull up the receipts because I thought it was quite hilarious. Blood Pop did put up a post on his, Blood Pop is the producer that produced Chromatica, for those that don't know. And he put up a post recently, which I thought was necessary because some of the girls forget. They just played up. And the post reads, I can't read it because I am not connected to the Wi-Fi. But essentially what it did say is that uh, there'll be no house, there'll be no disco, there'll be none of that without Black people. And I was like, you know, I'm glad you showed your, you're very well aware of that. And you should respect to remember jazz, blues, rock and roll, funk, soul, R&B, disco, house and techno came from Black people. Here's the first. So, not if you seen the podcast, obviously, but you know, you guys can. And I thought that this is important to note these things, you know? And I'm glad that someone like Blood Pop is able to recognize that. And even if it is just a post on Instagram, because sometimes the fans be fucking stupid and they don't know these things. It's like, no, like Lady Gaga did not invent fucking disco. And, you know, neither did Diana Ross even, but, you know, these people were, um, it was black people that did these things. And that sound like, for me, I think closing this, I'm not talking forever, 
I always, growing up, for me, which is so hilarious, house and disc, it was so white. I didn't, like, growing up, like, in my Caribbean household, like, and, like, in, like, high school, like, listening to, like, I still did it now, like, I do what I want to do. But it was just so white. Like, it was like, why are you listening to that? That's, like, white music. And it's just like, well, actually, no, it's not. And, you know, the whole time I was loving this music and made, I'm made to feel like I wasn't uh, Black and listening to these kind of things. It's, like, insane how I think about it because it's literally our fucking music to the point. And they've kind of, um, it's been ripped to the point where people don't even recognize that this is their music that they've created to the point where they're like, I don't want anything to do with it, which is really weird. Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that like Blood Pop knows he is no Ashford and Simpson. And uh, that's very evident in the track replay because he did sample Diana Ross, the legend, the, the eternal influence, my absolute favorite person alive. But yeah, I mean, no. like, it's so it's so important to like even just know the history of this stuff because like why would you not want to know where like the source is like why would you like if you like this then go deeper like I want like and like you know I want these the girls to start actually getting like the producers who are still around from those days to put some flavor on it. Period. Mm-hmm. Now. Back to Gagger Go. What do you think, Trey? What do I think? I'll tell you exactly what I think. I think, again, one, get the people who are still alive. Get them a coin. Get them a coin. Mm. Because mm. you know what? If you, if what you're monetizing off of right now, if someone's whole livelihood was demolished because they just happened to be born in a time where they weren't as respected and appreciated... If mm-hmm. they can still do something, give them a coin one. Mm-hmm. Make sure that if, you know, you're going to be in a, I say this about everything. If you're going to be in a culture, at least try to get as many people from that culture, from that time period on board, on the payroll. Listen, Instagram shout outs are cute, but that doesn't pay the rent. You know what I mean? Everyone, everyone, <laughs> refer, everyone references little Kim, but does that pay her bills? No. So for me, get those black designers who are doing Donna Summer's clothes, who are doing Diana's clothes. Get those people, if they're still around, to do looks. That's a paycheck. It's, to me, it's a respect mm-hmm. thing. It's always respect. You know, if you're it's entering, when, when you enter someone else's home, ask if you need to take your shoes off. When you enter into a culture, mm-hmm. get, give, give people flowers, but more importantly, a check. That's how I feel, period. Because I think everyone, anyone who minds their business and does good work can do good work. But don't enter mm-hmm. a house, don't enter a house and act a fool and act a mess. And I think both of the, you know, mind their business, done their thing, but I'm just saying in general, and this is everything, read the, read the room, respect the room and donate, donate in the offering box. That's all I have to say. Now, back to Gagago. Miss Cardi... B and the B is for Balenciaga. What did you think of that little moment? I liked it. I thought, I mean, cute. Balenciaga has lost my interest, so I don't really give a fuck, to be and honest. We move. And we move. And we move, simple. And we move. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I thought, I thought it, was, it was a cute image. It was nice. It was nice. You know, it was fine. It's I'm cute. more interested in seeing what Demna's going to do for Couture. That's what I'm interested in. I mm. thought that was going to be a great moment, but obviously it got cancelled. It's meant to be June or July. Mm. But I think that's really interesting. I want to see Demna's Balenciaga Couture. That is, is, is okay. I want to see that. I mean, I don't, but good for him. Anyway, um, <laughs> the black, I said what I said, the black um, Super Bowl this year, the Brandy versus Monica versus Monica's Fendi fit. How did you feel about it? Is it a gag or is it disgusting. a go? Oh, it's very, oh, it's disgusting. It was, you know, I just think the whole idea, if you're going to get something custom, you go to the atelier. I'm not going to get a custom from, let me not even be like Elisa's. I just thought it looked cheap. Okay. It looked a bit cheap to me. Was Dapper Dan busy? It's was done, Dapper Dan? Was my nigga a... Dan busy? Dan, what was your schedule? What was the schedule? schedule? What's the Get your custom down, sis. But I thought, and I thought Moesha looked, you know, real good. And everyone was saying she looked as nice. I thought she had an authentic style. I thought my, she was giving, I thought she was giving looks. I thought she was giving it. In her bottega Right. I thought she looked really chic. Monica mm-hmm. was just giving it a bit. It was just giving me... But, you know, she is the hood chick. Mm-hmm. You know, she gets to hood little fashion Listen, moment. And... Let, sorry, let me also just say, Monica, if you're listening to this, please don't shoot me. I'm so sorry. Those are Cassian's words. Um, 
I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I had to um, listen to this. That's don't hurt me. Our least favorite <laughs> voyeur, our least favorite voyeur of sex work culture, Bella Thorne, Gal Gorgo. Next question. <laughs> the WAP video, Gal Gorgo. Cute. Cute? So cute. she can gag. She's yeah. cute. Yeah. I would, gag, have lo- yeah. I would have loved to see, so- I would have loved to see Saweetie in it. I would have. Lo- I would have loved to see Lizzo in it. I would have loved. They missed that. You know who I, you know who keeps nice. getting cut out of this conversation? Who I think would have been incredible in this video, Cupcake. Ooh. If Cupcake oh, served yeah. a look, cupcake. I love Cupcake. She really is like underrated, dark skin, she's, beautiful, incredible rapper. The, the just the wordplay, the metaphors, the punchlines. I really hope Nikki, once the baby, you know, pulls out, um, does a song oh. with my with my, with my favorite pastry. Oh. Um, and <laughs> last but and last but not least, the next man who needs to get. The electric chair, Tory Lanez. You can go. Go. Tory Lanez can to go. To hell. To hell. Tory Lanez can go. I think that... I, and the whole thing of him being drunk is just wild. Like, to, for him to even admit yeah, that imagine. it's kind of low-key embarrassing, I would have I had to lie. I would have had to lie with something better than that. Like, to just say, oh, I shot you. I'm sorry, I was drunk. Like, Straight men don't deserve right. Straight men like, don't deserve right. It's almost kind of disrespectful. You couldn't even make up a better lie than that. I was just drunk. You know, like, it's just like... What? <laughs> Embarrassing. You were drunk, so you shot me. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. And anyone that defends Tory Lanez doesn't deserve rights either. And I'm going to say that with my full chest. You don't deserve rights. Mm-hmm. Rights revoked. <laughs> Kamala, take their rights. Take their rights. Take their walking papers. Rights revoked. <laughs> rights re-fucking-voked. Okay. Now, Miss Joe. Joe and I both have, you know, an obsession with gollywogs clowns coons <laughs> so today i decided since 2020 time no longer exists i decided we were going to do a march madness but of coons so we're going to decide who is the biggest coon of all time so the way that this is going to work is i'm going to say a name and another name you're going to choose who's the cooniest of the two coons and then we're going to keep doing that until we get to the end correct <laughs> I can't wait. It's going to be incredible. And then I have some more fun little things, but you know, I'm so glad that I do this with my girls. Like you two mean so much to me. This is such a fun time. I'm so glad and honored you guys are doing it. I love speaking to people, you know, pre lobotomy. So let's get into the tea. Now for the first of Coon March Madness, Stacey Dash or Omarosa? I want to say Stacey Dash just because she hurt me so badly. (laughs) Because I Clueless is one of my favorite films ever, and it just it just doesn't sit right in my soul. Mm. Omarosa is doing what she's got to do to make a check. <laughs> I don't respect it, but she does it. But she's not, sometimes she's not wrong. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. Can we talk about this because now when I get to the next person, can we talk about people who? Um, what's the word? Foreplay is not the right word. Foreshadow. <laughs> um, people who foreshadow like. <laughs> Britney Spears and Lucky, okay? Foreshadowed. Britney Spears every time, foreshadowed. Stacey Dash and Kanye West all falls down for, not not foreplay, foreshadowing. Foreshadowing to the highest degree. So Stacey Dash or Kanye West? I gotta say Kanye West. Anyone who associates with the Kardashians is, there's something, there's something, I pray for you. I really girl, do. you ain't, I girl, really you do. ain't getting out the house. <laughs> you ain't getting out of Calabasas. <laughs> That's it. Gated it's community, safe. you can't leave. It's not safe down there. Go, don't go. <laughs> don't go. Get out. Don't, do, do not pass go. Do not pass go. So we're saying um, Kanye as um, Nicki Minaj. You know how Kanye, when Nicki Minaj is Kanye and she's just in that way that always has me. They should always say Kanye. Anyway. Kanye. So, Kanye. Um, so Kanye, Kanye or Dr. Umar. I'm gonna say Kanye again. Kanye, Kanye, Kanye. or Can- Kanye or Candace Owens. Oh, Candace Owens. <laughs> and you know what? Right all of you listening, if you ever quote tweet <laughs> anything and put her on my timeline, you are as bad as her because you need to de-platform that woman. She is like the fact. Basically, everyone dragging her basically made her more famous. Mm. Why are we mm. here? Brainworms, yeah. smooth brains, no wrinkles. <laughs> Can I ask a quick question? Why is the every coon has the same like picking me hair, like the same like you know you know the edges are the edges are always kind of br- frazzled. 
You know what I mean? They've always got been... black girlfriends. <laughs> Girl, because it's like her friend, um, you know, named like Kayla was like. <laughs> she was like, yeah. like you know, who else? Who, whoever she talked to about her look, they don't like. Lied. Her. They lied. They lied. Somebody they lied. lied. Somebody lied to her several times, and so she's probably they like, don't... you know, you know, deep conditions with a pumpkin spice latte. Anyway, so <laughs> Candace <laughs> Owens, Candace Owens, or Terry Coon. Sorry, I mean Co- Cruz. I have to say, you know, I feel like the betrayal <laughs> trumps Trump. And I think Terry Crews takes this one. Can I ask a quick question? <laughs> How is it that Terry Coons was on Everybody Hates Chris, a show that talked about race, class, injustice, for all of those years, for all of those years? And you didn't take anything. My man got three jobs. She had three jobs. He was always working. He was always tired. He was always working. He was always, he should have been against the patriarchy capitalism, classism. He should have been against all the isms. And what does he do? Support white folk. <laughs> the way it just goes to he, show you. Not it, off, it, Just the way not, he coined black supremacy, I was like, I wish somebody fucking would. I wish that <laughs> like, I, would, I wish that would be supreme. Like, uh, America's Got supreme. Talent. Ooh, what he did to Gabrielle Union, death. Chair oh, elected. Oh. The, way, the way that Gabrielle oh. Union was one of the first people to ride for him, one of the first people to show up for him in this whole situation. And then he goes, oh, well, I don't know about that. Coon. Coon. Jigaboo ass coon. Okay? Coon. He didn't really even bad. have to see it in person. He could have trusted that she knew what was going on. I, listen, he- I don't even right. care. You know, I don't even care if she wasn't discriminated against. I'm sorry, that's your black sister who showed up for you, you better. I'm so, I don't even, I don't care. Listen, I, don't care about, the I, don't, I don't even care about the Carfax. I don't care about the Carfax. You better show up her, for her the same way that she showed up for you. Jeff, jail, share, right. electric, right? And when it comes down to it, no one on that, no one on that team who is white is going to be looking out for him. And didn't Tyra Banks also, mm-hmm. and didn't Tyra Banks also say that it was toxic? Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't you I believe, I, I, I think so. Right. I think so. But, Anyways, um, shout out to the bald-headed bird. Um, so, Terry <laughs> Crews or Charlemagne, the Kungan god? I'm going to go with Charlemagne on this one. I, the list is too long. I can't. <laughs> uh, what did Azelia call him? Charlemagne, the champagne goddess. <laughs> <laughs> Charlemagne, the champagne room. Ah, queen. <laughs> I can't. The, mm. I mean, it's not even. It's not even just the the general being of existing. It's just like, mm. like what's wrong with him? Like genuinely, like, like what he did. He got like a cast of his asshole made for a, someone mm-hmm. on his show. What? Mm-hmm. Why? Why are we here? Why? How did we get why, to this why? point? Honestly, you know mm. Sojourner. You know Sojourner Truth is rolling it in the river, rolling in the river that she waded in. She's rolling in the water that she waded in because she's tired of all of this. Yeah. She's like, "Why did I do all of this? What for this?" Um, so I'm gonna now go from Charlemagne to our fave—not favorite, but a man who sees the brown. Pa- when he sees the brown paper bag, he's not going any darker. So Charlemagne or Kenya Barris? Mm. This is a tough one. I feel like Kenya's a little bit more insidious because, like, with Charlemagne, at least you know what you're getting. Whereas Kenya, not only... I mean, the TV show you put on Netflix, awful. I love Rashida Boy. Jones. She was done so dirty. It was no. so... It was not... She shouldn't have been there. Nobody she has eyes. She has eyes. We love Rashida Jones. eyes. eyes. <laughs> I'm just... I mean, oh. girl, we lo- I like, love Rashida Jones, but she has eyes. She can read. She can read. Well, she saw the script and she was like, let me get on this TV show. Was she like, how much was the bag? How much was the bag? How much was the bag? How... Was she being blackmailed? I don't... <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 she could, but you know, it's Kenya Barris, so it probably wasn't even blackmail. It's probably light-skinned male. Anyway. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Please. I don't think... I think if he saw a black envelope, he just kind of... <laughs> you know, <laughs> he'd die. He would die. Please. 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 The way he <laughs> underserves Tracy on Blackish, I just it hurts me. I that is one of the most offensive things. But he carry on. Shout out to um okay, so Kenya, uh the light skin queen, the light skin defender Barris, and Sean King. We Ooh. built sandcastles. <laughs> now <laughs> I wanna take this opportunity. Shout Sean King 
is obviously taking this one. Obviously. D- do do not give that man money. Why? <laughs> stop I'll... giving him money. Stop white giving people. Why people stop What's giving him with you? Also, I have a quick thing to add because you made a very important point. I think people sometimes forget that giving people attention, whether positive or negative, is going to help their brand either way. Whether it's Kanye, whether it's Tommy Lasagna, whether mm-hmm. it's Candy the Burnt Edges <laughs> Owens, whether it's Sean King. You giving them a platform. Did I, what did I say that was so funny? I didn't lie. You, you even being, even hate tweeting them. You're fueling the fire of buffoonery and coonery. Put out the fire. Just look mm-hmm, at it. Mm-hmm. Look, look at mm-hmm. it. Be disgusted. Look at it. Be disgusted and move on. And put your energy towards the people who are doing the work, who are making the change, and who are being that bitch. We all know clowns belong. Clowns belong in the circus. So let them, you know, eat peanuts together, right? Put them in that little car mm. and let them drive off a cliff. Shout out to the Kia. I don't know if Kia's racist, but get them all in the Kia and just vroom vroom. Anyway. And last but not least, Sean King <laughs> and um, your wife can't read T.I. No. <laughs> no. I'm going to no, have no, to pass no. on this one. <laughs> well, you know, it's, this is a really good match. <laughs> Honestly, I want to just say T.I. for right mm. now. Mm. I, I've been thinking a lot about Azalea's impression, the fact that he put Iggy Azalea on Igloo Australia. Ooh. Um the way that he's policing his daughter's body like that. He is abs Kamala. Kamala, come get him, please. Clink clink. Clink clink. Clink clink. You're right in the sink sink. It's uh, he is just up, one bitch. of the worst people I can even think of. Mm, <laughs> absolutely. So does TI win? I think TI might take this one. Shout out to T. Your wife, Your wife can't read. And now I want to do this. Uh, this wasn't even on the itinerary, but I want to do this because I think this is very important. I want to say justice for Azealia Banks. Justice for Azealia Banks. Justice for Azealia Banks. Justice for Azealia Banks. Azealia Banks has always been right. She might, her delivery is not always the best. Are there things that I don't agree with? Absolutely. But justice for Azealia Banks. She has always had the right end goal. You know what I mean? She's never... Absolutely. Listen, Azalea Banks is right. She is the most misunderstood woman in America. <laughs> the myth, the myth, the misunderstood nation of Azalea Banks. Shout out to Azalea Banks. We love Azalea Banks in this house. Keisha and I both went to go see Azalea Banks together. Best night of our lives. Incredible. Also, I went to go a vocalist. A vocalist. Oh. I went to go see her, the most live show I've ever seen. The crowd Incredible. was insane. There was fights. There was crying. She threw soap. It was, <laughs> it was one of the best nights I've ever, like, it was one of the best live shows I've ever seen. Every yeah. project she's put out has classics. <laughs> like all Gemini, she's never 100% wrong about anything. She's right. ahead of her time, truly, and I just want nothing but good things for her. Period. <laughs> just, we love you, Azalea. Really love her, though. I think, but also, I but what, what I will, you know, there is some things she said that I, I do not agree with, and I do absolutely. Support, but um, generally, a lot of things 99. I don't. Nine point nine percent of the time, you know. <laughs> yeah, she makes good. She makes good points. She makes, she makes good points. Incredible points. She's a great, like I don't know, and she has this quality about her where somehow she becomes embroiled in any pop culture moment in the most spectacular mm-hmm. fashion. Her stuck in Elon Musk's house. <laughs> her leaking her texts with Grimes. Legendary. Uh, Nobody can read like Azealia. Like <laughs> she truly is a lyricist. Like the mm. way she describes things, she is God's gift to words. <laughs> to be honest. To be honest, um, she is. Absolutely. And she's a Britney stan, so she has, you know, taste. Right. Free Britney as well. You guys um, should follow her private Free Twitter. Britney. It's actually quite hilarious. It's incredible. Shout out yeah. to A Banks. We love you. We will always support you. Fuck Riza as well, another coon. Um, but shout Period. out to Method shout out to Method Man, the love of my life. Now we're all people of color and blackity black. Just before we get into some final pop culture tea, I'm mm. quite curious for you, right? The room has been read. Some people read the spark notes. <laughs> but we are now three. Shut up, I'm right. We're now three months after the second kind of wave of the Black Lives Matter movement. And I'm quite curious for you guys being Black in fashion media, we're young, we're gifted, we're Black. 
I'm quite mm-hmm. curious to see ask one, what do you think, how do you think the change has been um, implemented? Two, what do you think of kind of, you know, black gatekeeping in fashion has resulted in? And three, what do we think needs to be changed quickly? And who needs to take a bow and stop their performance? Because I'm being the see right now. About 99% I mean, of the industry needs to take a bow and stop their performance. But, ooh! Um, ooh! And I, ooh! No matter did, you, but did, did you lie? But you put on quite a show. It I think, wasn't I think entertaining. It wasn't. You I think there's a lot of... go. I am fresh. sick of your shit. Yeah, period. I, I think there's a lot of pressure for people to kind of perform this kind of wokeness and this kind of uh, care. And we can see right through it. We can see right through that shit. Anyone with two eyes can. But what I do think is important if people take steps, I don't need to see you on Instagram doing anything, actually. I don't need to see you on Instagram doing anything. I don't need to see you putting up any initiatives. I just need you to actually act, do things. I don't want to see a new group, a new a meeting about this. I don't want to see a, a, a kind of, uh, what do you call those? Uh, talks any kind of panels about this you know there's nothing to discuss babes you know if you see someone uh is you know in an unfavorable situation or is in a disadvantaged situation you help them if you can it's really quite simple it's it's quite abc maths it's just i mean abc maths got delete all that shit ah she's giving girl she's giving dyspraxia (laughs) (laughs) it's it's just giving abc and i'm just like you know these are things that you should just be doing as human. I will never sit there and explain to a white person why they should be a better person, be a better person. But, but the people that I have around me that aren't black, I'd have to explain things to them. And uh, they just get it because they're decent fucking people. They just fucking get it. I don't have to, they don't have no posts. You know what's really funny? When those posts are coming out, all of my friends uh, that aren't black, even, I didn't, didn't even put up any of those, those silly black, I didn't put one up myself, those silly black posts. No, posts that, you know. No. None of that shit. You know what? And they probably they didn't they didn't need to either. They didn't need to because they actually live that like they've been doing these things. They help and they support and you know what the, the, the only reason I got through university is because of someone like Judith who helped and supported. The only reason I got, you know, some of my opportunities is like, you know, through all kinds of every lots of people have helped me out and it's beyond race. It's like actually, you know, you're just a good fucking person. That's just it. It's actually that simple. I'm not going to sit here and explain something. There's all the intricacies to it. Yes, uh, this is why we're disadvantaged and there's a whole structural kind of uh, thing about it. Yeah, but on the most basic of levels, you just need to be a good, decent fucking person. That's all. That's all we're actually asking, really. Be a decent and considerate person. It's actually that simple. Like, literally, at the end of the day, all of this shit is old fucking news. And anybody who's not seeing it or is just waking up now you were choosing to not see it before and it does mm-hmm. not go unnoticed we all see it we all know who you are mm-hmm. so like you said it doesn't it's not an instagram post it's bigger than that like i don't nobody needs to see that it's actual like behind the scenes action from like literally the top down it's just so mm-hmm. it's so fucking irritating to watch all of this like the performance the performance the circus and it's every level of the industry as well, to the PRs, to the designers, to the conglomerates, to the journalists. Um, Educators. Mainly, you know, education, universities, um, every single level of it. I, I need people to step out of themselves and just be like, actually, I'm so used to being the, um, the norm that I, like, I don't even realize that I'm just completely taking over something that is not mine. It's not mine alone. This no. world is not white. This is not the white a white person's world. This is not a white person's um, any. Like this is our world. This is our. We all contribute different things. It is ours. So we can't be having you being the norm for everything in every single TV it's, program and every single show and every single. You know, like it's everybody's problem. It's everybody's problem, and it feels like it's it only is. us that has to talk about it, which is right. Fundamentally stupid. It's everybody's problem. It is. Yeah. I, exactly what you said, Joe. Like. We've all lived in the same world. You've now just decided to look at it. Well, you know, it's like, mm. it's like you, can, you can watch people and you can tell that they're just trying to move with the times. They're not trying to change anything. They're just trying to make sure they don't get caught out on being behind when shit like this goes down and they haven't said shit at all. Mm-hmm. 
But it's just like, you've been behind your entire career, babes. You know, if we scroll past, you know, March of 2020, you were contributing to this shit. You were, uh, you know, contributing to this. And your little black post in, you know, May of 2020 is not going to change that. You know, no? be action. That's what we need. Get up with brass and do something. Absolutely. And so, you know, end on a high. What black events, and because that's all I care, I'm rooting for everybody black and only black. I mean, well, at this point, what black event in pop culture are you most looking forward to? For me, I'm so excited to see, not see, yeah, see, that's, that's the right verb. Anyway, see Mariah Carey's autobiography. Death to mm. JLo, death to Tony, death to death to Tony, death, death to Tony Motorola. Well, death to Tony Motorola, death to anyone who ever came from my girl and came from my good sis. Shout out to the Razor, a great phone, but death to Tony Motorola. Mm-hmm. I'm very mm-hmm. excited to see her finally speaking her truth, living her best life. What about you, Kation? I think people really don't give Mariah the props. She really puts on. Like every single feature that she had as a rapper, they're always the rappers that are like, they're like to put them in the mainstream is kind of a risk. She really takes risks with rappers. ODB, ODB on fantasy, and, and to make that number one with ODB on your record, the most nastiest of vile rappers. His name is literally Old Dirty Bastard. Like, and then to get Jay Z as well, Heartbreaker, Snoop Dogg. She got who else has she got on her on her tracks? Um, Cameo. And she's so of the times. She's always so of the times. She's so of the times. And Ty Dolla's oh. knowing, knowing when to get everyone who's of the moment and really just champion them. Listen, up out of my face. Really, yeah. Yeah, before, before her yeah, and Oprah. Before. Yeah. She always supports. No matter if they're not mainstream enough, no matter if they're not going to get played on radio. Like, she's like, I want, I want them. She's got good fucking taste. She has good fucking taste. She loves. She loves music. She produces. She Mm -hmm. she's incredible. She knows what the fuck she's doing, and I feel like nobody has given her those props because of this like outlandish persona that she has, which is rightfully earned. Right. Because she is one. She and she should be one of the most celebrated musicians of all time, and she's not even that, and she's still an icon. I just. I think she's fab. But there's nothing better than the emancipation of Mimi. There's absolutely nothing better than that album for me. It's like it's just I stay the Front night. To back. Oh my gosh, them chickens with ash and I'm lotion. Also, her her use of words in her song. She always has a real extra word. I just love it. I love you know she really sits there and's like, let me get the synonyms out because. <laughs> I want to make sure this hits. <laughs> you know, with the for for the woman with the vocal range and to be able to enunciate, it means yes. the world. It means the world. She wants us to know what the fuck she's saying. Right, right. And some of the girls can't relate. Okay. Most of the girls can't relate. Skirt, skirt on that discography. Um, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. What about you, Kishan? What black moment are you looking forward to? in 2020, 2021 that's upcoming? I'm looking forward to, um, you know what I'm looking forward to? I'm looking forward to seeing more of us doing our own things and not being so um, hell-bent on getting a feature on that publication or this publication. I understand you've got to play the game, but also you can make the game, you know? I make the game play for you, <laughs> you know? You know. I just feel like it's hard. It's easier said than done. But I'm really excited to see people's independent publications. I'm really excited to see people going out and writing their books and doing their own thing and just kind of like, especially in Corona, this is what you have to do. There's no other opportunities at the moment. It's a lot harder to get those. So people are just going out on their own. And I'm looking forward to all those success stories. I'm looking forward to those success stories, period, of everybody, as long as they're, you know, <laughs> worthwhile. I'm looking forward to that for everyone. What about you, my love, Joe? Well, I was looking forward to Candyman, but that got pushed back till next year. Oh, oh, so I'm just gonna, so I'm just gonna sit here and hope and pray that Khalees has been in the studio. <laughs> That's yes. what I want. That's what yes. I want. And I like yes. she's just she's everything to me. She's she's the mother. <laughs> she's the she's the best friend anyone would want. She's she's all of it. Incredible. She's multi talented chef author just incredible person all around um and also i just want to second what casey and said i'm looking forward to all of our futures mm. um and you know i think there's a lot on the horizon i feel like 
this is a real like 2020 is the cultural reset and this is. is and we need to be capitalizing on it and i feel like we are and it's just it's going to be a moment i feel like there's something coming i feel like the next generation is just we're, we're going to do the damn thing mm. that's his album as well i'm looking forward to that thank you guys <laughs> <laughs> and this has been such a key and we need to do this more often and i need to guys have you guys on more just mm. for the audience for the kids for the viewers where can everyone find you on socials kation i'm going to be on socials as mr mayors m-s-t-r-m-y-r-s um yeah that's my instagram find me there trying to be like a little influencer mm. and what about you miss <laughs> jojo uh, you can find me on my Instagram, which is Joseph Bates underscore. Um, I have lots of exciting things coming that I cannot talk oh, about. I'm so but you know, if you want to, but if you want to see me in a a cute costume or twenty, <laughs> you'll be able to see that all there. Perfect, guys! Thank you so much. I love you both so much. Have a great rest of your you. day. Thank you to everyone for listening to OTT. You know, oh, keep opening your purse if you're white, okay? Keep minding your business. Keep being the baddest bitch that you can be. Thank you guys so much. Looking forward to hearing from you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.